0: For listening to Cinema Rex, it's an Iranian film podcast. Episode 5, Ali Abbasi's Holy Spider. Do you... I have a question for you, Farhan. Yes? Do you know any graduates of um, the Toronto Metro university gold medalist for highest ac- academic achievement and extraordinary community contributions you know any of them
1: i do i know i do you do i do her name is Sadaf khaji
0: wow then that you know what we should have her on as a guest i'm down i think we should just have her on let's just call her right now let's call her right now beep boop boop beep boop boop, boop. <laughs> this is the cinemax podcast where we discuss all things iranian films i'm kaveh Mohebi. And I'm Farhan Moradi. Before I let her say anything, I just want to introduce her formally by saying, Sadaf Khadja is a Toronto-based artist with a background in visual design, film, and photography. She holds a master's degree in documentary media from Toronto Metropolitan University. Her short film, titled Distance, has been officially selected and screened at the Art Gallery of Hamilton's Photophobia Contemporary Moving Image Festival, Trinity Square Video, and V-Tapes Video Fever 2021, Cinefam Film Festival 2021, and Pleasure Dome's Domestic Documents, Spaces of Care and Crisis. She's currently a board member at Pleasure Dome. She's also a practicing impact producer and also working at CBC Sports as an associate business manager for the Paris 2024 Olympic Games, which is a very impressive resume because my bio is like, I write, and then it ends there. But Sadaf, welcome to Cinema Rex Podcast.
2: Hello. Hi. <laughs> it's
0: very nice to see you, meet you, not meet you, but see you again. And thank you for joining yeah. us. How are very you today?
2: Nice. Good, good. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited.
0: Thank you for joining us.
2: We're going to have such a good conversation.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, we'll do a deep dive into it overall. But I mean, to talk about really important stuff, what's your favorite Iranian dish of all time?
2: Or masavzi.
0: Hey, me too. Always. You
2: guys, you guys
1: are so basic.
2: So what's, what's your favorite dish? Farrah?
0: So... There's one called
1: Shami Abdar, which mm-hmm. is like, it's really good. It's a Khoresh, basically. But imagine like Persian meatballs. Well, it's not even Persian. It's Mazan <laughs> So imagine
0: Iranian meatballs. I'll make you some. Um, Sadef, yeah. can you tell me a little bit about what it means to be an impact producer? And you make like, it's like almost like experimental documentary films.
2: All right. So impact producing um, doesn't really have to do with making documentaries. It's after a documentary film is made Mm -hmm. uh, and it has a potential to make a difference. So it is about a certain social issue, social justice issue. Uh, You take that documentary and you actually use it. Uh, You partner up with organizations that are working towards um, solving that issue. You partner up with them. You take the documentary to uh, audiences that watch it, that have the potential to actually make a difference and make a change. So uh, you create sort of like an impact campaign. You find partners, partner up, um, set up screenings, community screenings, and uh, it goes from there.
0: I mean, what? so it sounds like an incredibly rewarding job, but it, is. it also feels like at times it's very bureaucratic and you end up dealing with like a lot of obstacles that are, I don't know, either... Frustrating or patronizing or just not like, it's that you're, de- you're dealing with that like blend of community service and activism, but mixed with filmmaking and art. Yes. Which is often a very frustrating blend. Yes. Because it's really hard to juggle all of those.
2: Yes. And uh, like the, I, I worked on a documentary film called the secret society. Um, and it's about um, egg donation and infertility, all the stigmas around it in Canada. Mm-hmm. Um it's very complicated. It's very complex. And like, Mm. you just have to be very careful what you're advocating for, especially in those realms. The process of egg donation is, uh, you know, it's a long one and it's painful and it takes time. And it's sort of not fair that egg donors just get reimbursed and not compensated for their time, Mm -hmm. um, and their labor. Uh, and that's like a, an issue. And then we have this whole concept of infertility and how, you know, um, there, there's not really enough space for uh, people who are going through infertility for couples who are going through infertility to sort of have support, emotional, mental support. So the documentary sort of uh, talks, sort of covers and shows all of that. Uh, but you have to be very careful with like what your um, what your impact campaign goals are and what your because, you know, compensating for egg donation in Canada is criminalized. So
1: Whoa. there's,
2: yeah, <laughs> um, I highly recommend watching the film, cool. the documentary, The Secret Society.
0: Can you tell us a little bit about what your short film Distance is about?
2: So uh, Distance, um, I made it during the pandemic and it was a film I made with my friend in Iran, Dorsa. Um Basically it was just us filming ourselves and our everyday lives, but it became so much more than that. Uh, It was very interesting, the process of making the film made us want to unrealistically be together physically. So Dorsa sent me a voice note one morning saying, uh, she had a dream that Canada was the floor upstairs. And I came down from Canada Mm. to her studio and told her what to film. Of her studio. And I thought that's so... I, so I, I, we, we kept that in the, in the documentary and sort of became this like, I don't know, longing for us wanting to be together in the same space through, through the pandemic and going, you know, but being sort of isolated in our own um, four walls. Uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a good experience.
1: <laughs> that's a really interesting concept to actually make a short film yeah like you and Dorsa could actually do something like that where you could you could have a a short film about these two co-workers working together from like different sides of the world. And like every once in a while, one will like pop their head down and you just cut to a wide shot. Yeah. And someone like pops their head into the other frame and then pops back out. And she could film all the Iranian stuff in Iran and you could film all the Canadians of here and then cut it together.
2: Oh, that would be cool. That would be a cool sort of surreal fiction.
0: I'll take 10%. Okay. <laughs> 10% of the wide gross that is the uh, world of short experimental film. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You'll be a billionaire in no time. Yes. <laughs> it, it also reminds me of like you know on chien de Luz, it's like the uh, experimental short film that's um surrealism Louis Buniel Bunel and uh, Salvador Dali and it was just like we'll take our dreams, whatever we dream about, we film, and I think their one rule was like we don't focus on all uh, any of it having to make sense mm. we just want like it just we like we will capture the stuff that we're, we're imagining and stuff and so it's a it's a crazy film. <laughs>
2: Yeah, he made an animation with Disney. Have you seen that one? It's on Disney Plus. I haven't
0: seen it yet. Is it on oh, Disney Plus maybe. Yeah. Yeah. What's it called? It's
2: like A Woman Falling in Love with Time. Is it about that? Something like that. Um,
0: I don't know. Uh, the film was called Destino. Destino.
2: Destino. Is, Is that, Am film? I right with like a, the... The concept? The story of it being a woman. The, I haven't the, seen it. The love it. story between a woman and time.
0: I haven't seen it, so I'm going to have to watch it. Like this week I didn't realize It was on Disney Plus So I thought It'd be hard to find
3: mm.
1: You know what Wasn't on Disney Plus What The movie That we're watching today And Are we watching it? Did well, we watch a movie today Well I watched it today You guys watched it A long time ago
0: So where did you find The movie tonight, today
1: I got it on YouTube Movies So I bought A digital copy
0: For legal purposes I'll say I did The same thing too <laughs> Okay, we'll we'll just dive right into Holy Spider because I feel like we're all loosened up now and fresh and we've stretched. With your permission, I will dive into a quick plot summary. You don't have my permission. (laughs) You have mine. (laughs) Female journalist Arzu Rahimi travels to the Iranian holy city of Mashhad to investigate a serial killer targeting sex workers. As she descends into the dark underbelly of the holy city and draws closer to exposing his crimes, the opportunity for justice grows harder to attain when the murderer is embraced by many as a hero and believe he's cleansing the streets of sinners based on the true story of the spider killer who saw himself as on a mission from God. As he killed 16 women between 2000 and 2001, it has a rotten tomato score of 83% and an audience score of 76%.
4: You lived in Tehran in 2001, when these uh, murders occurred.
5: Mm -hmm. Uh, What do you remember? Well, I remember that um, I was living a very different reality. I was living in my own little bubble. You know, I I come from like a well-off family. Uh, I was living in a really nice apartment. I was playing tennis three times a week. I was going out, eating in restaurants, so I was very like protected in my own bubble, and then this happened, and then this sort of like it was really a slap in the face. The bubble burst. The bubble burst big time, and I think when the bubble really burst for me was when uh, he was caught, and they started referring, or some people, some newspapers, some journalists, some authorities, started referring to him as someone who did his religious duty and as a hero. And then, <laughs> then I, I was like, okay, maybe I shouldn't go play tennis so much. Maybe I should pay more <laughs> attention to what's going on here. And I've been, frankly, I was, I've been thinking about this ever since, I've been, I've been actively thinking about this for the past 20 years. And with that,
0: Sadaf, I go to you first. What did you think of Holy Spider?
2: Mm. Okay, so I would say um, I hadn't watched it, and I just heard from my friends. They were like, "Oh, don't watch it with your family. It's like just there's so much violence." And so I already had this like idea of like, "Oh, I'm not gonna like this film. It's I'm gonna see some like mm-hmm. uh, scenes I'm not gonna like." Um, and I was so I went into it just with that sort of mindset. But I was surprised. I liked it. I liked it.
0: Can I ask you a quick, do you normally like this genre of film, like neo-noir thrillers and like stuff that, like I'm sure we're going to bring up Fincher mm-hmm. over and over again in this in this podcast, but like are you drawn into those type of movies, like Seven and stuff, or do you usually shy away from them?
2: I used to. I used to be drawn. Yeah. I used to watch Dexter. <laughs> um, right, yeah. I used to be drawn. Not so much anymore. Um, I don't know, especially after... Like, the things that have happened the past year, I feel like we are becoming too too numb towards these, like, um, violent stories. I don't know. Um, I used to be, but not so much anymore. But, you know.
0: Byron, what did you think of the film?
1: Um, I've mixed feelings about it. I think that there was a lot that was very well done with the film, especially technically. mm mm-hmm. Um, I think the cinematography was great. The acting was great. The music was really good. Um, I do think that some of the violence and the sexual violence in the movie was a little gratuitous. Mm -hmm. And I feel like there was maybe a little too much runtime of the film dedicated to it. Mm
3: -hmm.
1: I think something that I was actually expecting, I expected the film to build tension way more than it actually did. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because typically when you watch movies like this, the thing that's gripping to me is often when there's building of tension, right? Like not the actual thing happening, but the anticipation of like, oh, something's off, something's not right, all this stuff. And so for that, I think the, the opening of the movie had a little bit of that. But that's also only because I kind of knew what the movie was about. If you don't know what the movie's about, I don't think that that opening sequence does a good job of building that tension initially. Mm-hmm. I think once she's like going into the guy's house and she feels like this guy's really weird Then it does. But then even then, I think it, even then I think it stays on things too long. I think it lingers on the violence too much Mm -hmm. because it doesn't do well at building the tension. I think it tries to use that violence to make the movie more provocative than it actually was. So for that, I was a little disappointed, but Overall, I didn't hate it. I didn't love it. Um, but we can get more into it as, as we get uh, further into the review.
2: And, like, I just wanted to ask, Farhan, where did you want to see more of the tension? Like, more tension. Where did you want to see it?
1: Like, even just POV of her walking around in the city, of of the main character, of, of Arazu walking around in the city, I think is a, a good way to do it. Or, or the anticipation around... For example, the victims, right? Mm-hmm. Like maybe we follow the victims and they're on the city or or there's, there's murmurs about, oh, you hear like he has a motorcycle and then you like hear motorcycles go by. Like there's a scene in the movie where that one motorcycle is following Arazu, which I think does a good job of it. But the other side of it, too, is I think because Arazu's character is so strong, I personally didn't feel like she was in very much danger until the guy actually picks her up. And even then, I was like, she's in control to a degree, right? Obviously, she is in danger, but if 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 there's like a gradient of uh, she's in complete danger on the one side and she's completely safe on the other, I I felt like she was sort of in the middle, but erring on the side of she has control. Mm-hmm. But that's just how I felt. And so I don't know if that was intentional. Um, I would have loved to have seen a little more attention there. Also, by no means am I saying I could have done a better job at this. like Because we're also filmmakers, right? I understand yeah. that these are challenging
0: things. I'm just saying this is how I felt. Can I draw a really interesting opening thought I had about this film that I just want your thoughts on? Because and set up. I say this every time with every podcast, I am such an opening shots, first things we see nerd. Like I am so focused on what is the first thing we see in a film. Mm-hmm. I'm obsessed with it. I dissect it so much because I think it's so important, the first thing you see in a film. So the very first thing you see is a quote from...
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: Thank you from saving me from saying it in a bad way. Um, so yeah, it's like yeah, a collection of Islamic sermons and letters. And the quote is, every man shall meet what he wishes to avoid. So that's like the very first thing you're seeing. And we could dissect that too. Within two, three minutes later on, you're seeing a naked woman, bruised and beaten, 9-11 footage in the background because mm-hmm. 9-11 was happening i guess that night if you remember the news footage in the background
1: yeah with the first john
0: she goes to it's like 9-11 towers coming and an unsimulated blowjob scene now i'm sure it was a prosthetic penis but there's like literally you get a shot of her performing oral sex on a man and you it's like showing the penis far you're looking like you, you missed that part of the movie
1: no, I saw it I actually made a note that I thought some of the stuff in the opening scene
0: was a little gratuitous as well so but I mean and yes I agree um but why that combination of opening shots and images an Islamic quote 9 11 a bruised and beaten nude woman and an unsimulated blowjob scene and I I don't think it's I mean it's gratuitous in the sense there's like it was really not it doesn't feel like the kind of film that needed those things but it's such an overt choice by the director to be like these are the first things i want you to take away because he doesn't come back to the ends yeah there's like future sex scenes in the film that aren't as graphic as that
1: i think he was
0: trying to be
2: provocative that's what i was thinking to provoke like that's what i took from it yeah
0: exactly but like why the necessity like don't you think from a filmmaker's perspective the subject matter in and of itself would be it like almost is on a hat i'm gonna come to this term again but it's gonna be a hat on a hat where it's almost like the subject matter is already disturbing enough. Yeah. You don't need 9-11 there, which is, has nothing to fucking do with Iran anyways.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, right?
0: Like, I mean, I, although <laughs> I
1: will say the 9-11 thing, part of it was, I think, to immediately tell the audience when this takes place. Mm-hmm. I think another side of it is to also show um, what atrocities people will commit in the name of their belief. Mm-hmm. I think that's the the message that the, the filmmaker is trying to to get across.
0: Right. Yeah. That's a good point.
1: I think in an attempt to really demonstrate that this film is different from other Iranian cinema, mm-hmm. the filmmaker goes to extreme lengths in like five different areas immediately to tell the audience, Oh yeah, this movie's going to be edgy. This is not like any other Iranian movie you've seen before. Yeah. And like, I get it. And, and I guess there's something to be said about that. I, I feel like it was unnecessary and I would have preferred a slower burn there that that slowly yeah. sets up the world we're in the rules of engagement the the themes of the film whereas just like throwing it at you with like three shots i thought was a little cheap
2: <laughs> can i like make a comment i i feel and i've seen it in other films too that sometimes it's m- more personal for the directors um I don't know if you've seen Leila's Brothers. I feel like some of the themes in that film were like, Mm. they got personal. Like, (laughs) I feel like um, he had the choice of making the film in Iran, I think, Ali Abbasi, But then eventually they decided to not make it in Iran because of all all the limitations. And, you know, there is that aspect of, yes, he's making a film for an audience, but also he is making the film. Mm -hmm. Where did he grow up? What were the limitations? What does he want to say with his film? Um, I don't know. Having grown up in Iran and having grown up in that environment, I feel like there's a part of us that we want to provoke. That we want to be like, Mm. you know what? I have this Mm -hmm. space where I can say what I want to say and I'll say it even more (laughs) loudly.
0: Okay, do you know much more about that? Because I read that as well that he had the opportunity to shoot that to shoot this film in Iran. It would not have been even a frat like it would not be the same film if he shot him in Iran. No, he could not have done a fraction of the stuff he does. And I'm very surprised that he even had that as an option. It's it's almost like it doesn't even sound like a choice to me because it's not. It, he would have had to sacrifice so much of what the film is. Yeah, actually, so do you know exactly what that story is, or do you?
2: No, I just I just read. That that somewhere, but um,
0: yeah, I saw it. Funny too. enough, there was sure. a
2: like we were talking about that other film, Ankabut, like a uh, killer spider that was actually made in Iran, mm-hmm. and it you know it was censored. It like the mm-hmm. the director still is kind of bitter about how his film was. You know, um, I think it, it did, they didn't um, allow him to be in the in the Fatch film festival. His film to be in the Fatch film festival. Like he he had a lot of. There was a lot of, like, holding him back and holding the film back. So he, he went through a lot. So, like, yeah, that would have been what Ali Abassi might have experienced had he
0: made his film in Iran. The, the director of Killer Spider might also be having all this contempt because his is the less famous film now. The other one went on to Khan, went to TIFF, mm-hmm. which is where I saw it opening night at TIFF. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so, like, his, you know, Abbas's film gets all the acclaim and world recognition. Mm-hmm. Like, this... I didn't hear about this film until I started to, uh, the other film yeah. until I started doing research for this one. And it's like a footnote on the Wikipedia page that there's another film. I'm like, oh, um, so it is. Yeah, I, I can see. I want to see. Have you seen the other film?
2: I wanted to see it before this podcast, but I didn't have time.
0: <laughs> we'll have to but do I that wanna. at some point. Yeah, We'll do a sequel episode to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I also say, to the thing you're saying, I totally agree with you. And I don't think we've ever been in lo- as much lockstep because I feel like. I think Abbas is a good director. He's a very talented director. Oh, I think the directing
1: is great. Like, don't get me wrong. I think the direct. like the blocking is wonderful. I think that the the performances from all the actors are really great. The way that sound design and music is married into the scenes is
0: really great. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But the stuff about the tension, which is Mm -hmm. pivotal and it's all in the director's hands. It's something that you see when Fincher does so well. You are at the edge of your seat with tension mm-hmm. when he does Zodiac and Jake Gyllenhaal is in the basement and the the killer might be upstairs. You are so full of dread in in like Seven or that uh, the Ser- Mind Hunter, mm-hmm. where this is like I feel like those moments that you would have you th- felt lacked a bit a bit of tension, which I agree. Mm. It's almost like that's the difference between Abbas who's a great director and Fincher, who I personally believe is a master director. You know, like he is, I I don't, I think he's one of the, if, if he's a peerless director doing the thriller genre. I don't think there's anyone who does thriller as well as Fincher does. So it's like those little moments because Arazu does have these moments where she's like investigating the crime, but there isn't this much of, I, I didn't feel that tension until she's in the room with him. It's the first time I'm like, okay, now it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, now I'm like genuinely worried for her. But throughout the well, film.
2: I would say I have a different point of view.
0: Yes, please go. Uh- <laughs>
2: I don't know from from the very beginning. Just even even um, sitting with Sharifi um, in front of the judge, I I felt the tension for her.
0: Oh yeah, hundred percent there. Um, Big time. Oh yeah, there I felt it too.
2: Yeah, uh, but like even her being in the street, her being in the uh, in her hotel room alone with the, with the officer. I felt that. Like too. I felt it. Yeah.
0: I, I guess, but that's I hundred percent agree with you. I feel like those were like moments that punctuated. Like, there were significant moments that punctuated like, the judge and the loan with the officer. But the interaction, with the interplay with the overall murderer, it just seems so mm-hmm. divorced from one another. Mm. We're spending all this time getting to know the murderer alone, and we get to see his family life and stuff. And I don't think it was from lack of, like, skill, perhaps, as much as maybe just... Um, we see so much of who this guy is, and he's so reduced to, like, this shitty family it, it, there was just something about there wasn't the unknown specter of who the serial killer was mm-hmm. i i don't know if that's necessarily like on the director i think that part of
1: that and the director is also one of the writers on the film i think that part of that is about the writing i think that there weren't enough moments written in that could be built out with more tension right like yeah mm-hmm. for example imagine if we just get moments where she's alone and she's like hearing something or she sees something or she hears in a distance like someone screaming and she's like, is that what that is? Like, mm. I don't know. Mm. You know what I mean? Like building a bit of that intrigue and that mystery, I think, and and hearing things and not quite seeing things. I think writing those moments into a script uh, gives a director an opportunity to flex that more because whenever she's in danger I think that the director does a really good job at Mm -hmm. showing and building that tension. My issue is that there aren't enough moments where there aren't enough moments of ambiguity, whereas Fincher's films have tons of that. There's tons of scenes of ambiguity, right? Or like a movie like nocturnal animals, Uh which I think is Uh the most tense film I've ever Uh seen in my life. Yes. Yes, And that film has tons of that, right? Like tons of scenes where it's, there's like very little dialogue, or it's stripped down dialogue, or um, or some of the scenes in No Country for Old Men, like that scene with Sugar at the at the counter with the guy at the gas station, yeah.
3: mm-hmm. is
1: tense, and and it's not tense because you're like, oh, he's gonna kill him. It's tense because you're like, I have no idea what his intention is here. Like this, yeah. like mm-hmm. that ambiguity is, I think, what what lends to that tension. Or a movie like Jaws, which is like this massive blockbuster <laughs> movie, works the as well as it does because the animatronic shark looked terrible, so they had to show less of mm-hmm. it. So again, mm-hmm. that ambiguity lends to the tension of the film. And I think that, that that, I think, is the crux of why it was missing some of that tension for me. There's definitely moments of it, which is why I think mm-hmm. it, it's it shows that the director clearly has talent, but yeah.
0: Uh, and I also have a, I have a question for you, Sadef, about this, because correct me if I if, I, if you feel like i'm wrong or misplaced in this thinking there's something about Arzu's character she the, the those moments with the men around her especially like the hotel clerk early on which is like the first sign of it right It was like oh we don't have yeah. a room for you and then she's a journalist and then when she goes oh suddenly you have a room and he's like correct your fix your hijab like your your, your hair is like that's the last resort he can go to is like your hair yeah. is showing but she's she's l- l- performing this like a woman who is very capable of dealing with these men because she's had to deal with it her entire life. So it's like, in a lot of ways, it's not... Even the judge, it's like she knows how... She's Zebel. She knows how to, like, handle these asshole men. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't so much of, like, I wasn't feeling tension, even though I hated those moments because I hate those guys. Mm -hmm. I wasn't tension as much as, like, oh, here we go again. Like, here's another one of these... I mean, bleeping... I'll beep that out. (laughs) One of these um, effing... Bad. I'm trying not to swear. Who is just standing in her way of doing the right thing, right? Yeah. And it's I, because I like that about her character. She's she knows how to handle them really well.
2: She does. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. Um, I was just thinking about myself. Yeah, of course. <laughs> and how I, I probably wouldn't have been as as brave of, as her, uh, or maybe I would have. Mm-hmm. It's 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 tough, like being there, because I I lived in Iran um from 2014 to 2018 there are times where you're just you you become brave i don't know uh and then there are times that you feel like uh there's danger and i need to just like um cover my head Mm -hmm. hold my head down but then there are times where you're like no i need to stand up for myself yeah Mm -hmm. um i have like you know memories and experiences of like men following me in the street um you know at a very young age and then later on in my 20s and my reaction was very different Mm -hmm. (laughs) when I was younger I would just like run but then I got older and I was like yelling at the dude like what are you doing why are you following me get out and like you know um so yeah I I get her but, like, okay, now that you bring that up, there's a scene where she's talking to her mom.
3: Yeah, on the phone. And
2: she's saying, oh, yeah, I'm, but first of all, that conversation is very real. I love that. But yeah, she's yeah. saying, yeah, I'm I'm taking care of myself. Don't worry. And then she's putting up, putting on this lipstick. Yeah. And, like, this makeup to go and yeah. be a bait. Mm-hmm. I, do, that didn't, for me, that, did, like, I don't, I don't know. For me, that was, like, I was, like, what is she doing? Is she really <laughs> going to become a bait? Like, <laughs> That was a bit, And she looks so confident when she's
1: doing yeah. it. And so because she's so confident doing all these things, I was I was hesitant to be like, oh no, because I was like, oh, she's <laughs> she's got this, right? And then when she's in the yeah. moment, you're like, oh no. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah, exactly.
1: Do you think part of you feeling that tension in some of these scenes where like we might not have felt this tense, do you think that's because the film Is building up that tension or do you think it's because you're able to draw parallels with some of your own experiences?
2: I think I'm able to draw parallels with my experiences, maybe.
1: Mm.
2: Um, I don't know, because you're not feeling it in the film.
1: Sometimes I was like in some of the ones that you mentioned I was and then in some of the ones you mentioned I wasn't. Like Mm. the one in the hotel, I didn't like when she's talking to the guys at the front desk. At first I was like oh and then immediately she's like she takes charge of that situation I'm like oh no she's good she's got this right like yeah. I I took that as oh this is a scene that's supposed to demonstrate to the audience that she is in command and she's confident and she's a strong person um but then the later scene that she has with the officer that I was feeling the tension Like, the second he was in the room with her. No,
2: that was a very tense scene. And it just reminded me of all these, like, Me Too... uh, Mm -hmm. Because, you know, there's a Me Too movement in Iran too, and all these stories that come out reminded Mm -hmm. me of, like, all those stories that I read. Like, yeah, once the women are in these four walls with the men, that's it. Like, even if she screams, no one's going to hear her. Which I think later on in the in the scene where she is with the killer she goes to the window and she screams
0: just to oh jump god. to that moment actually just to add to that moment and then i'll go back to the officer scene i really liked the, that moment when she's screaming because that was the thing that was stopped like the night the serial killer isn't intimidated by the knife the knife mm-hmm. won't stop him but the screaming of the help he's like please lower yeah. your voice for the love of god i'll do anything you say stop screaming and there was something mm-hmm. very um the subtext of that scene was almost like the woman's voice is a bigger threat to him than the woman's weapon in her hand.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know,
0: like when she had the knife, it didn't stop him at all. He's like, you, he's like, you're going to pull a knife on me. What do you think you're doing? But the suit, the second she starts raising her voice, he's like cowering. He's like, I'll do anything. She's like, go in the bathroom and lock the door behind you. He's like, yes, yes, I'll do anything yeah. to say, which I thought was a really interesting subtextual moment. But I will say, um, the, the thing with the police officer, it also really bothered me because there's something more that bothered me more about the police officer scene than even all the serial killer scenes. Cause it's like the serial killer is being a serial killer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the police officer is supposed to be this, like, I mean, I know they aren't even in this country or Iran or whatever, mm-hmm. but this idea of like, they hide behind the badge of authority of like protection mm-hmm. authority. And yet they're revealing their true cause behind closed doors. It's like, it makes my skin crawl in a different way mm-hmm. than the serial killer does. Yeah. It's like, I'm almost more upset about that. And and again, for me, it's the ambiguity
1: in that scene again. Because it's like, what's he getting at? What's he trying to do? What's he going to do? He can get away with a lot. Like, this is a very compromising situation. Like, that's why the tension was building for me again.
0: One of the most tense parts for me was when it was the motorcycle guy following her that wasn't the serial killer. Do you remember when she's walking alone at night? Mm. And it's just sort of like a, it's a misdirect because it's just a guy on a bike. Maybe he was following her too, but it wasn't the serial killer. Yep. And that's, again, like what you're saying is the ambiguity of who is this him. Exactly. Is this the moment it's going to happen? I want, I want more of that. And that was more tense than a lot of the, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I want more of that. There's rumors of her flirting with her previous editor and it got her fired because they were saying that she was flirting and whatever. She's a tease. And then she gets upset for at her friend for even her colleague for even like bringing it up because she's like the truth is it's, it's sexually harassing and sexually assaulting me. My boss is taking advantage. What do you think was the purpose of that? Because I feel like it's just another layer of the the gross patriarchal bullshit that's going on. But why do you think it was important for the writers to put that into the script? Because I made it, I I really like stuck out to me as like, that's an interesting piece of backstory that she's considered like a tease who like slept with her previous boss and stuff. And, and Arash's character, um, the other journalist is like, feels, he feels like he needs to bring it up with him. You know what I mean? Like he just felt like he needed to approach her with this kind of, she's like upset.
2: Yeah. All right. So like the scene where she's in the serial killer's house, whatever happens, um, there's a man that's followed her that supported her right there. Right. So, yeah, if she screams, if they find her, she says, this is what happened. There's a man that says, yes, this this happened. I was with her. I followed her. That can't be the same when she was with the officer right if the officer did something if she went and she was like yeah this guy did this to me nobody would believe her because no one was there to support her whatever Mm -hmm. same with what happened at her office i guess with her boss yeah no one there to sort of have her back Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so these people feel like feel entitled to ask oh so what did happen uh I feel like for a woman's voice to be heard, there needs to be a, a man's voice to support yeah. what happened to her. Or at least that's what I felt like was being sort of shown in the film.
1: Yeah. And to to your point, too, it's not until you start to hear men outside mm-hmm. the window when she's yelling at, at like towards the end of the film. Once you hear men responding from outside that's when the killer really gets scared. Yeah. Because at first he still thinks he's in control and he's threatening her to come back in, right? And he's trying to fight her when she's by the window. But then the second that you can hear other men starting to respond, then he gets really scared.
2: Just like, you know, when his wife told him, oh, our neighbor saw you with another woman. And he's like, oh, she doesn't know what she's talking about. Like, just like dismissed
1: the neighbor. Yeah. I think also that scene, where she's talking about her editor, like her boss, sets up the scene with the officer. I mm-hmm. think it's it foreshadows it, and it also kind of goes hand in hand, obviously, because it's, as audience, we're supposed to be a little triggered by it, and to be like, "Oh no, this is happening to her again."
0: So, one thing that really strikes me as fascinating about this film, and it's actually one of my favorite things, is he is not kidnapped at the end. He's kidnapped just past the halfway point. Not kidnapped. He's arrested. Just oh, I past was like, the "What are you talking about? What Who movie was did you kidnapped?" <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> halfway, arrested. This is this halfway. is where we
1: find out. This is where we find out that. Kaveh was on the side of the, the murderer.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's really the, the injustice is committed upon him. It really broke my heart. <laughs> arrested is the word I'm looking for. Listen, English is my second language. I speak fluent Farsi, obviously. So, so, and then, okay. So at that point, he's arrested. The police force, of course, gets all the credit for arresting him because they go up there and they do the thing. But really, I start liking the movie once he's arrested a lot more because I start really feeling like this is what he's saying about society in Iran. Mm. He's, making jokes in court you're noticing that and it's like there's something darker to me or just as dark about how supportive his wife is being about this telling his kids he was out it's like at this point you're like oh she's gonna find out what he's been doing and and then when you find out what she's like well your father was out there cleaning the streets of rotten women and he was doing the right thing and they you're like oh my goodness this is like deep-rooted toxicity Mm -hmm. and then he's got the supporters chanting outside and you got the sun and it's a different film at this point. It's no longer the fincher tension dark thriller. It's almost like becoming a courtroom drama, mm-hmm. a sociological drama about the state of Iraq. Mm-hmm. I started liking the film more at this point. Me too.
2: Yeah. That's where you truly see what <laughs> what the society was like at the time.
0: And and now.
2: <laughs> and now. <laughs> Just like having seen a documentary and having uh, seen his mom and his wife talk about just like it's so it's exactly like that in the film and i think the documentary was a big inspiration probably Mm. to to the director
0: yeah and also like when you see because i didn't realize how accurate the i mean the more research i did i was like oh this film is actually very close beat to beat to what actually happened Mm. um to the point where even the footage of his son which is the last scene you, Scenes you see in the film of him sort of like being like, I might have to take up the reins. And people are asking me, will I continue my father's work? That video footage is real. And the son looks just like the actor played his son. And yeah, it's so chilling. It's such a chilling ending to the movie where he's reenacting the crimes with his sister, younger sister. It's like, this is when I start feeling like, oh, now we're cooking with something thematically. You know, and there's, you know, because the, the film, it's like Arazu is saying to her colleague, that it's not over yet. They're going to find a way to let him go. And you meet that grandpa and grandma that really broke my heart. The actors are so good, especially oh, the, yeah. the grandfather. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who, um, Sadaf, remind me of the word. Is it? Quesos Quesos. Or something? Quesos, right? Quesos, yeah. Where it's like, you, uh, if if someone has committed a crime towards you, you can get paid, essentially, to let them off the execution line. So your family will get financial compensation um but that person will not receive execution or you don't get the financial compensation and that person will receive their punishment which is yes. in this case execution and the, and the grandparents are talking about how what are we to do we don't want our granddaughter to become the same way so we're gonna consider taking the money and i thought when he breaks down and cries how good is that actor oh, did you not yeah. feel like that he's guy phenomenal, was so like phenomenal. where did you
1: find this guy I, yeah he's so good uh, so one thing that i'll also mention and this might be getting pretty personal um but one of my cousins was killed in Iran oh my God. Um, by a man. And when it was brought up that they could execute him for what he had done, part of his execution was an exchange where my family would have to give money to the family of the person who killed my cousin. So you basically had to pay for the execution. Mm. And the, the reason for it was that in the justice system, quote unquote justice system in Iran, a man is worth twice the life of a woman's life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he killed my cousin, who was a woman. But if he was to be executed, right, like it, it, it's almost like double the cost. Yeah. So we, my family would have had to offset the cost of half a life. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. So th- that would have had to like counteract it, and I think that's also why when he sentenced to death. He's not sentenced sentenced 17 death sentences. Uh, they give him like eight death sentences or whatever.
2: Yeah. I was going to say that. Ask um, if I these Shahrizy boys about that.
0: Mm.
2: Actually, have you seen that? I mean, no. I have not. Uh, so it's about a father who, who wants the murderer of his daughter executed, but he has to find the money to make it happen. Mm. Um, yeah.
1: Also, I should... Just to give a little resolution yeah, to the story. In,
0: in, in the I end, know you, I was gonna ask, but I didn't know if you oh, wanted yeah. to go on. I was just like, Yeah. I
1: was like, what happened?
0: So in the end,
1: my aunt decided because she's like the matriarch of that family, right? Because it was her daughter. Mm. She was she had decided that they wouldn't be giving money to the family of the killer, mm. but instead they would accept him going to jail. Cause she was also like, I I don't want this guy to basically be just absolved of this death Mm -hmm. executed immediately and then his family gets to use that money and go what on like a vacation somewhere she's like that's not right she's like he needs to go to jail yeah and he needs to reflect on the actions and on what he did and remember every day the the family that he tore apart
3: Mm
0: -hmm. did they have to pay for that for no, prison or no, or no, no, no. Um. Last thing I will ask you guys before we jump into behind the scenes, I really hope one of you guys can explain this to me. I really, really want to know what is the back and forth with them sentencing him, then telling him he's going to be let go, and then hanging him anyways. Because I don't know what that means. I don't understand the where the so was. It seemed like a needless middle step for plot. Is it like plot suspense or is it the reality of how it went down? was it the intention to let him go but then because he did something they changed their minds or like what is that
2: I think that was so clever of him to put it in there and it was my favorite that's so important uh, what how he showed it um i think he also says it mentions it in his interviews that he tried to keep like a neutral point of view so you see a bit of what the murderer's life was like and the women and all that i see um and i think those scenes were really important because um, so this goes back, and, and they mentioned this in the film, because of the elections, they are trying to speed up his trial in mm-hmm, the process. Mm-hmm, yeah. This goes back back in 2000, 2001. It was the second round of elections for Khatami, who's a reformist. Um, mm-hmm. And so reformists, you know, with Khatami, he opened up the press a little bit. So at the time of the election, it made sense to actually have him uh, hanged. For his crimes whereas with the current government i wouldn't be so sure if they would have done that so there's a Mm -hmm. very fine line between the two parties in iran between those Mm -hmm. religious people and those reformists so i think Mm -hmm. it was clever of him to show that even at the very last minute you didn't know which what like how the scale would have like tipped right you know and it's like that with iran every day
0: so it's like from a but from a character perspective, do you think it's like those two that are his friends that came into his jail cell? Are they part of it, or they're just being told that they're going to be let go? Hmm.
2: I I read somewhere when he was about to be hanged, or was it in the documentary where he said, "This isn't what you told me was going to happen." Like in mm-hmm. in reality, like
0: yeah. So
2: I'm wondering if they just interesting told him to shut him up and be like, "Oh, you'll be fine." Yeah. But also, just thematically, I feel like. They just wanted to show that to be like, there were forces that wanted him to live and yeah. had the government or had the situation have been had been different, that he might have mm-hmm. lived, that they might have opened that door.
0: That's interesting.
1: I wouldn't be surprised if they the press could hear him yelling all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Like when he's like being taken to the, the noose mm-hmm. and he's like, where's the car? You said there'd be a car, like even all of that yeah mm. so are you saying Sadaf after that, that was confirmed that they heard that like that was in the documentary
2: i i don't know where i read it because i've been reading a lot but like right, right, right.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> before, but you did read somewhere that
2: that before he was about to get hanged he was like this is not what you told me was gonna happen this is not okay, what okay. was supposed to happen kind of so like he didn't believe it
1: i wouldn't be surprised if there there is a level of either they like lied to him to save face or whatever in the moment or if Behind the scenes, forces were actually constantly flip flopping on what they should and shouldn't do. Yeah, because like even if even if you look at, for example, the at the inception of the the Islamic Republic, when you look at the way that the hostage crisis was dealt with, mm. there was a lot of flip flopping that happened internally about it. Like they had apparently told the American government that they were going to let them go, that the students took the hostages without consulting them, and then later they realized, oh, this is actually good for morale, so they held on to them. Then they were going to release them later. And they like, he made a deal with Carter. And then later, there was like, apparently, Reagan's administration got in contact and convinced him to keep them. So -hmm. then they kept them longer. So there was a lot of like back and forth, depending on the time of day and how somebody's feeling and how they think it will benefit Mm -hmm. uh, the regime or the government or somebody in power. They will switch things on a dime. Like, the idea of law and order, I think, is pretty loosey-goosey. And it really comes down to what is the most useful thing that we can do in a given situation to benefit the powers that be. Yeah, And I think that we just witnessed that at play there.
2: Mm. And also in the documentary, they do mention that he didn't rape the victims. But they were indicating that he did rape, like, before... Um, they found uh, Said Hanai. There were no reports of the victims be- having been, uh, you know, raped. But then after they found him, after they built the case, the the report started changing to like he did rip- rape the victims, as if to like make it seem like he deserved. Oh, interesting. Not that he didn't deserve it, but you know. Oh, no, but for they the want to feel more public, justified. Yeah. Oh,
1: yeah. to to quell the the people who were supporters of yeah, him. like supporting him.
0: Yeah. I talked to Hani Abu-Assad, maybe you know him, he's from Palestine, and he made Huda Salon, in which there's also a female nudity, mm-hmm. and there was a huge backlash. Yeah. Uh, two of his, uh, of the, the two main actresses, they are in hiding. Do you fear for Zahra, for instance, or maybe the one
5: who's playing the killer Saeed? I do. Um I'm not saying I fear for them, but I'm concerned. And to be honest, you know, part of the way this, this whole thing works, the system of, you know, the taboo system, the censorship system, part of it is, a big part of it is they want you to adhere to unwritten rules, you know, like the former Soviet. They don't tell you the rules. They don't tell you this is not what you should and shouldn't do. And that in effect will make you self censor because like you your imagination is always like, oh, what would, what would they do? What the consequence of this would be, blah, blah. blah. And I actively I, I decided like, you know what, I don't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck. And i I do give a fuck. You know, I'm concerned, of course I am. But I choose not to give a fuck because that's the only way I can work, you know? But you're working from the outside. I'm, I'm fucking proud of of the fact that the, you know, combination of factors and events gave us the chance that to make an truly, truly independent Iranian movie. Because most of, a, a lot of the other Iranian movies that, for example, are made in Iran, many of them are you know, even the independent movies are, are being, you know, sometimes produced by like the, the cultural arm of uh, revolutionary guard, you know what I mean? Yeah. Or, or, you know, on the other side, you have like Hollywood hit jobs, you know, you have Argos, you have, uh, you know, it's like everybody has a stake in this. I don't have a fucking stake. My stake is that to, to, to show, you know, some sort of reality or authenticity one for once, you know, that's my stake.
0: Ready to move to behind the scenes and trivia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I'll just rapid fire a few things. And you tell me if you knew that or didn't know that or act surprised or act impressed. All right. Obviously this was based on the true Iranian serial killer Saeed Hanae mm-hmm. and a lot of it, even down to the fact that he was a laborer and an Iran-Iraq war veteran is true. And he reportedly began his crime spree when someone mistook his wife for a prostitute, Oh, which is weird. Zahar Amir Ibrahami, she was initially involved in the film as a casting director and they'd gone through an arduous process of trying to find the right actress to play the role she ended up playing. When they found the right one, the woman who was going to play the role canceled like days before, like weeks before production started and Zara, Zara said that she was, like, so mad. She was throwing, like, papers and phones in, like, a hotel room. And Ali was trying to calm her down. she's really upset. And they then Ali kind of watched her in her anger and thought, like, this is actually very true to the character. And considered asking her to try a few, like, not auditions, but, like, how do you feel about potentially playing the role? And they discussed it kind of together. And after, like, auditioning 50 actresses for the role previous to this, they kind of literally had found the best. And I think she's phenomenal in the film. And it's just interesting from a behind-the-scenes perspective that she was literally the casting director who yeah. found the right person and ended up being herself. Hmm.
2: That is interesting. And uh, isn't the, the main actor um, and his son, like the... Aren't they both from Iran? Who? Which one? So the main actor, what's his name? Um,
0: the serial killer?
2: The serial killer. So I just wonder... Oh, me-
0: Mehdi Bajestani.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mehdi Bajestani. yes.
0: Yeah. So he's... Based in Iran? He's based in Iran. Well, that's interesting because the other fact about this is that so Zara went and won the uh Khan, what was it? The uh The
2: Cannes.
0: She won the award of Best Actress at Khan Film Festival, right? Yeah. And I guess the Iranian authorities and the Islamic government called it an insulting and politically motivated move to <laughs> to give her the award. Classic. Classic. They said the film was blasphemy. Um, And some have even gone further calling for their executions involved. The Iranian Organization of Cinema and Audiovisual Affairs, which operates under the auspices of the military of culture and Islamic guidance, released a statement calling the film shameless obscenity, adding that it was the product of the twisted mind of an Iranian Danish man. I'm condemning the film festival for awarding Ibrahimi the role. Did the you say award.
1: military of culture? Is it
0: ministry? ministry? ministry.
1: Okay. Did I, did I, I thought you said military and I was like, I was like whoa, whoa. <laughs> they're not even hiding it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and Ibrahimi said she's received over 200 threats, death threats from people because because this is a society we live in. Yeah. So it's weird because I would have imagined that any um, actor now involved in that movie would have a tough time living in Iran now after, yeah. after their involvement. I mean- He's a man. So, yes,
2: that's what I was going to say. Yeah. And it's justifiable that the woman that they had chosen decided to not be a part of the film. I understand that because she was from Iran. It's the mm. actress that they had very talented.
1: Yeah, she would have had to have left Iran before the movie came out.
2: Yeah, uh,
0: The real-life serial killer, after Hanaï's arrest, some religious hardliners excused and even praised his crimes, arguing that he had tried to cleanse Iran of moral corruption, which is right in the film. Who is to be judge, wrote the conservative newspaper Jomhuri Islami. Those who look to eradicate the sickness or those who stand at the root of the corruption. Just wonderful statements. My God. Such sentiments were expressed by the killer's merchant's friends at the Mashhad Baza- Bazaar one of whom had said he did the right thing. He should have continued.
1: Oh, my God. my
0: God. And, of course, the incident was the subject of the 2002 documentary And Along Came a Spider, directed by Maziar Bahari, and it included in an interview with Hanai and his son, which is the footage that we see recreated yeah. at the end of the movie, who's essentially word for word saying the same things about the son picking up the torch, yeah. quote-unquote, after his father. In 2020, a film called Killer Spider was directed by Ibrahim Irajzad, um, and mm-hmm. the director of that movie accused Abbasi of plagiarism and circumventing Iranian censorship in order to make the film sooner, claiming that he could have shot it in Iran had he pre- had he been prepared to wait for government approval like Irajzad had to. So he's actually quite upset about this film and saying that he plagiarized a lot of his stuff. That's according to Wikidia- Wikipedia, so who knows?
1: I mean... It's based on true events. Like, what are you plagiarizing?
0: Right, you're right. Yeah, it's true. Yeah.
1: So, I bet you, I bet you, there's like three movies that have just gone into into development over Dariush Meshui, yeah. in Iran and uh, outside of
0: Iran. And I just like moving that right into critical reactions. I pulled one uh, middle of the road review for the film, just because I felt it ca- it ca- encapsulates how I feel about it. Uh, Catherine Bray of Empire Magazine said, it's a frustrating but fascinating film made by an evidently talented filmmaker which never quite manages to resolve the tensions between its apparent moral purpose and the formal flair with which it depicts events it purports to condemn. Mm. About the deeper analysis section, Farn, you were saying that we sort of touched on it? I felt like it, especially because we mentioned how a lot of the
1: scenes in the movie were pretty reflective of the society or were making commentary on the reality around the movie or around his, the experiences of the filmmaker. Right. I, I agree. There's
2: another thing I, I I forgot to mention about my reaction to the film. And it's something that I think he talks about too. I've watched so many, like I grew up in Iran watching so many Iranian media.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: I've gotten used to seeing women with headscarves within like mm-hmm. their, their rooms, their bedrooms. Right. And like, just not seeing that like actually seeing what the women would wear within mm. the four walls of their homes. I, I just became conscious of it yeah. mm. when I was watching the film. And it's a mix of sort of Western media and Iranian media in that where you have the, the, the scenes where they're in public, it's very much like Iranian mm-hmm, films mm-hmm, you see, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. women covered and all that. But the, but then you move into like the, the more personal, intimate spaces whether it be in the hotel room or um, in um, in the, the the murderer's house with his wife and all that, then it becomes especially the part where um, him and his wife are getting intimate. It becomes very Western,
3: mm-hmm, yeah. and
2: and then you know your mind quickly switches. Okay, yeah, I'm I've I've been exposed to this kind of footage, right. but not in Iranian media, mm-hmm. in Western media. Yeah, and then I think the. The one scene that surprised me was the very end where um, Rahimi kisses Sharifi on the cheek. Mm -hmm. Because her with Sharifi, they were always in those public spaces. And it was very much the footage I was used to to seeing in Mm -hmm. like Iranian Mm -hmm. films. And then seeing that at the end, I was like, oh, I just became conscious of it. I was like, oh, that's (laughs) unexpected.
1: (laughs) That's funny. See when I when I saw Iranian movies as a kid here, and I would see families in their house wearing hijabs. Mm-hmm. I remember growing up as a kid and being like, "This is ridiculous!" Like it, it <laughs> would take me out of the movie. So it's it's funny that now the opposite of that is what kind of took you out of the movie for yeah. a second.
2: Yeah, and that's the power of censorship. <laughs> yeah, I've been yeah. conditioned to.
3: <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> well, it's like when you watch a Bollywood movie and like. I, I, I can't remember what it was, but I saw some Bollywood movie where someone actually kissed somebody and I was like, oh my <laughs> God. Like it was like the biggest deal. right? <laughs> because they never, 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 never mm. show that stuff in, in Bollywood films that, that I grew up watching. So when I saw it, I was like,
2: whoa. Yeah. <laughs> we were so not used to seeing kissing or affection on on screen in Iran that when we watched like Disney cartoons it was weird seeing like the prince and the princess kissing <laughs> so if we were in a group of like with with our cousins we were like look away look away this is the kissing scene that's so funny like at Disney
0: <laughs> I will do the one thing I will say about deeper analysis is that I didn't think there was that much subtext because it's all surface level it's, I feel like Abbas is saying very clearly the things he wants to say about this movie and like again comparing him to Fincher Fincher's always like I'm gonna peel back the mask of society and reveal how gritty and rotten and evil it all is. Like he's doing that with again Seven and even Fight Club and stuff. It's just like mm-hmm. I'm gonna peel back the mask. But like in Iranian society, I feel like there is no mask. They're just like plain faced, obvious about how evil and corrupt they are. So it's like with Abbas's film, it's like he didn't even have to go so far as like I'm gonna reveal how corrupt this whole is. I mean, maybe yeah. to a Western audience who like really doesn't know, but. So I think for like an Iranian, you're like, yeah, this tracks. Like this is exactly what I know from that, from like at least from this government and like in terms of the hierarchy of power. We're like, yeah, this is exactly how yeah. corrupt we all know it to be.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: It's
1: funny because for me, I felt like there was some some subtext yep. in in that. In that, I don't, I wouldn't necessarily say in in terms of the commentary that that you're talking about that stuff. I think was very on, the, like on the nose, and I think it was meant to be. But like again, going back to that opening scene, mm-hmm. I think part of it was what we were talking about where he's like trying to be like, this isn't mm-hmm. like Iranian cinema. This is more real. This is more gritty. This is more true. Blah, 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 blah. And then even using the 9-11 footage, I think was about showing um, parallels between different groups of people who do horrific acts in the name of What they believe to be justice,
0: but that's not subtext. That's text. Like that's that's there. And like we talked about how it's so like on, it's out there. I still think some
1: of it is subtext. Like I like for it to not be subtext. I think the character, someone watching TV would have to be like, you know, this is kind of like that uh, murderer guy who's going. You know what I mean? Then it's like okay, that's (laughs) text. (laughs) That's
0: exposition at that point. Sure. That's
1: bad writing. Sure. I still think that you should give them a little more credit. I think that there is a little bit of subtext there. It might not be as as deep as some of Fincher's stuff, but and and I would actually I'm in the camp that I find sometimes Fincher is too on the nose with some of his
2: subtext.
0: Yeah. Mm. I can see that. I don't disagree.
1: Sarah, what you.
2: I was just thinking about the language too in the film. Um so the curse words they use that's also very mm.
0: Which one some you of them? Farhan might have to push the censor button, but what are some of the ones that got your attention? Well, I
2: can't say them.
0: You can say it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> they they use some like curse words.
0: Yeah, they do. Especially they at the
2: beginning. Do. I feel like at the beginning there's more of you know the curse words the the, the scenes and then it's sort of just like deliberately yeah
1: Yeah. and again i think that's about him trying to shock the audience Mm -hmm. to learning that this is a different Mm. different type of film
0: this ain't your grandfather's iranian film exactly this is a new generation iranian (laughs) film. we're punk rock and visceral yeah
1: that being said i do wish that it was drawn out more and it was more subtle and as the movie went on it built on that more and more because imagine if you felt like it was Like those other Iranian films and then all of a sudden you're in a scene where she like takes off her head job or you're in a scene where like somebody cusses somebody out or there's like you have one explicit sex scene or whatever instead of like all of them to me that's kind of like yeah yeah, then it's like oh okay I see similar to how that kiss on the cheek for you because the whole time you see her relationship with with her her journalist partner is very like very much like your grandfather's Iranian film, that when she <laughs> yeah. kisses him on the cheek, that elicited a response. You know,
0: best scene. Sadaf, please you take the lead.
2: Uh, when he when they're taking him to get him, like hang him. I think that was that was the best scene. Mm. And I've I've explained it a bit why I think that's a that's a really good scene where we don't know if he's gonna be hanged or not. Actually, for me, I was like, did they hang him? <laughs> And I was like, yes, they did. What if they didn't? What if they took him out the back door and they hung hung someone else? But uh, that just tells you about the atmosphere uh, in Iran, like the the religious and political atmosphere that it could have gone either way. Had it been a different government, um, it might have gone a a different way. Mm -hmm. So that was my yeah, that was a good scene.
1: Well, especially because right before that, too, when they're showing his lashing. Oh,
2: yeah, exactly. It shows that the
1: lashing is fake. Yeah. So it's it's really playing up the fact that, like, okay, this is this is all fake. He's not going to get his comeuppance. Yeah. And then when he actually gets hung, you're like, oh, they actually did it. Hanged. Hanged. I'm sorry.
0: Um, Yeah, it's cathartic when he gets hanged because you're finally, like, seeing... Hanged him. until death. Hanged until death. <laughs> Um, I agree, that's one of my favorite scenes too just because of how cathartic it is I also really like his his quote unquote confessional in court just because Mm -hmm. of like, I actually was like one of my bit of the writing I really liked where he's like you're going to ask me to come up here, I'm crazy, of course I'm crazy, I'm crazy about uh, the eighth imam, I'm crazy about Quran, I'm crazy about cleansing the streets of these whores, I'm I'm crazy about God and they started pulling him away, I was just like, oh that's like I just, I don't know, there's something about like his like grandstanding of pride he has for his thing mm-hmm. I just I, I thought it was like a not because I'm on his side but I'm just like it's a powerful moment within the film like you're like this guy is they're like he's essentially being cheered on as he gets pulled away and you're like
1: yeah what
5: do you do do you want
1: آقای <---aneyat>
3: want an to eat and جهان از for some pox. as
1: Sanish, join my museum. When I
0: was
1: you want you want to know. You're a solid of the German. the city. i the city. I'm going I I have that as my favorite scene as well um, for the same reasons that you just said I think the fact that the audience in the courtroom is so into it and so supportive of him is really dark and I think that it it really sets in and it reminds the audience that like, oh, he might get off. Yeah. Despite the fact that he's just admitted to all of this stuff uh, openly. Um, I did have another scene that was kind of tied for best scene. Yeah. The scene where Arazu and uh, Sharifi are are interviewing him with the camera. Mm-hmm. That was another scene where I was like, oh, this is good. And there, that was tense. And I actually wish that that scene had gone longer because I felt like the ending of that scene was was uh, pretty abrupt, but it was it was definitely building tension there, and where you see the conflict between the two of them, and they're like sitting there face to face, having a conversation yeah. which I thought was done so well. And I think any any movie where you can take opposing philosophies and force them to sit down and just talk. I think is a really great opportunity to naturally build tension.
0: Joker and Batman, in yeah. Ger- Joker and Nolan, yeah, yeah. There is also um, something about he goes, like the chilling moment of you killed sixteen women, and he looks at it, he's like almost seventeen,
2: almost seventeen. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah.
0: like such a chilling line, and he's smiling. Yeah, yeah. Just the fact uh, that
2: he is to be hanged, and he still feels confident enough to say that. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. And and the other messed up thing too in that scene is even if you accept the fact that this guy has his own moral code his own moral mm-hmm. code is is out the window there because she's not even a sex worker you know what i mean so it's yeah. it's it's an it's a scenario where you, his own moral code is completely compromised by himself mm-hmm. least favorite scene faran you go first my least favorite scene is watching his family crying in the prison Mm. i didn't need to see that it was it was too much
2: mm. Enough? um i think i mentioned this it's just her i like how she talks to her mom but the following scene i don't know mm-hmm. it just didn't sit with me i feel like because she was like saying yeah i'm okay everything's gonna be okay and the next scene she's like she has the makeup on and she's mm-hmm. acting like a bait and like I don't know, for me, it was like, it's a bit unrealistic to me. Mm-hmm. Like, as a woman, I don't know, I feel like there needed to be more uh, build-up, like, per- preparation, <laughs> showing <laughs> us more preparation for her to get to that point.
0: A cousin of mine who did see the documentary I was talking to today said that that part, it's one of the few parts that's actually made up for the film, that the journalist didn't go out as bait in real life. I think no. it was just they the, the the 17th sex worker that he yeah. was almost about to kill actually got away yeah and then was actually arrested herself for
2: yeah and that's how they found out yeah, yeah.
0: wait
1: what
2: yeah that's how they Which found part- out just that one of the women ran away, got and away and then they arrested her for another thing and then they when they i guess interviewed her or whatever they found out that
0: Essentially, what happened with Arzu, but Arzu in real life a reporter. wasn't a journal wasn't a yeah wasn't a journalist yeah. in real life. was a sex worker and got away. Oh, I did not know that. My least favorite scene is um, that when he kills that one sex worker who he and I'll get into this later on about nitpicks. But when he hears her voice after he's already killed her, mm. laughing, that whole scene, I was like, okay, this is one too many scenes. Like that, I wasn't it's a little bit drawn out of how viciously he's killing these women but also i didn't like the um potential justification of him being crazy yeah 100% couldn't agree with you more
2: i would say in the documentary i don't know if this was from the documentary but he mentions that one of her one of his victims was still alive after mm. he had strangled her and she was breathing and then she, he went back and like he explains it in detail how he like put his knees on her. So I just right. wonder
0: but that was' with this woman it's like she, he's seeing he's her laugh kinda,
2: he's and then we cut from and, like
0: an outsider perspective and she's not she's dead. She's dead. yeah, so that that moment was actually not a hundred percent
1: clear for me i I wasn't sure if that was an issue with editing that she was actually alive and giggling at him. And then we just don't see her transition from laughing to being dead. Mm. Or if that was a situation where it was in his head and that abrupt cut shows us that, oh, she is actually dead and that was all on his head. So if if that was a situation where it was intentionally cut abruptly to show that he was hallucinating, then Kava, I would Mm. agree with you. And that is the feeling that I had. Mm. But given what Sadaf just said, I think that it's possible that it was just an issue with either coverage or editing.
0: But the one thing I'd say to like probably the reason I eliminate that possibility of it being that she was still dead is that the appropriate reaction for her to be having that moment would not be to laugh. Even if yeah she was a bit like crazy or on drugs or whatever, because she's not laughing up until that moment. Like so no. in that moment, if she was even a bit conscious, like the real woman might have been in real life, the reaction is probably still to try to scream or cry for help or try to yeah. get up and run away, not laugh. Sure, yeah, The yeah, fact yeah. that it's specifically a Joker-esque laugh coming out of her makes me think mm. like I'm like this is not happening in reality. That's fair. Because yeah. why would the victim be laughing like this? Yeah. That's what he would be assuming the 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 corpse yeah. is doing now. Yep. Okay, damn, that's poetry where we discuss our favorite quotes from the film. I'll just go really for I'll go first cuz I really quickly want to say like I I tried to scan it a lot and I think a lot of the films we do are very poetic and beautiful in nature. I didn't find this a very quotable movie. I like tried to find moments that I was like yeah, that's like such an interesting line or that's such a captivating moment for an actor. I was like, nothing really. It may be the part where he talks about, I am crazy, crazy about the eighth mom. I'm crazy about this. Like that quote was almost like a, that could have been in the trailer almost.
2: (laughs) Just the one thing, because just like Yukov, I didn't find, like nothing was that memorable in terms of like quotes, Mm -hmm. but just like scanning through the film again, um, the part where um, Rahimi meets... um, uh, Sohra's mom Sohaya, and she says he's cleaning up the streets for them do you think they're going to arrest
5: him? Just sort
2: of speaks to what they're the message of the film also Yeah like. of course yeah. yeah
1: You know what Seraf I think you're right that is also my favorite quote It's
0: not poetic but I would agree with you Favorite performance? I'm torn between two, so I'll let Sadaf go first.
2: I think Mehdi Bajestani.
0: Um, he,
2: yeah, I think I, I really like this performance. But just, so that the main the killer, the yeah. main actor, yeah.
0: Um, I'd say I'm torn between Zara Amirabrami and and Mehdi because I think they're both really good, good and they both do great performance.
1: Yeah, I would agree. They're they're both phenomenal. I'm gonna say. It's the old man who's crying over his daughter. I was just
3: kidding. Yeah, he's really uh, good. He I thought good about though. it at he's one very,
1: point. for yeah, I, for for a split second in that scene I was like, yo, this guy this guy's moving up in the power ranking. But I think And I'll, the mother.
0: The, she the was other good mother too. The, the drug, addicts, the yeah, yeah. Worker, oh, drug yeah, addict the sex worker drug addict who's her was mother. Good too. I'm like she's she so good. good, good. Yeah. She was yeah. good. Yeah. The actors come from. Yeah. Uh
1: I think I'll also give it to Mehdi. I think he I mean I don't it's not a contest. It's a little bit of a contest. <laughs> yeah. But
0: I mean, well, Khan Con, Con Film Festival is certainly considers a contest. And they yeah, they the Zara. Do. Uh, yeah. Zara is incredible.
1: She Mehdi is also yeah. incredible. I think the reason that Mehdi's performance sticks out to me a little more is because he's playing this really sadistic person. Mm. So mm. I think that yeah. that that was something yeah. that that performance stood out to me more because of that. That's not to say that he's more yeah. or less talented than her. That's just the the performance that stood out to me. And and I will also say um, the guy who played Sharifi and the guy who played Rostami, both of them were also pretty good. Um, the person who played Fatemeh, she was good as well. Like those three, I thought were also really, really good.
2: I think all around the cast were really good. Yeah, even, very strong. Even the son... Even the even the little girl,
1: the little girl even did a really good job at like playing the little girl in those scenes. And I like that. Like oftentimes when there's like kids like in Iranian movies, it's so over the top their performance. They're like, "Mama June, (laughs) and you're like, oh, this is this is grating. I don't want to like see this. I don't want to hear this. Mm -hmm. But but she was very sweet. Yeah, you know, like even though she's acting out this like dead body she mm. was very yeah. sweet And the way yeah, that yeah. you're like oh this is the this is the way that a child sees the
0: world and sees mm. this reality just a slight shout out to a smaller role in the film uh, Nima Akbar who played the judge in that oh, first yeah. I don't know if he was the judge in the courtroom scene I think it was but yeah, the judge guy. in that he scene was, yes, when it's, yeah when it's just the three of them in the room though Arzu Sharifi and the judge I was like I, cause I, I'm like, he really plays that role and does such a good job, I and mean, he really becomes that judge character. And I'm like, this is crazy that this is just an actor. You know, like, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, I thought he just very convincingly played that role. He really kind of felt like. Oh
1: that. yeah, it. He straight up didn't feel like an actor. Like it. it yeah, lo- it that's what like I mean. I was watching, like some mullah or ayatollah or
2: yeah. whatever.
0: Yeah. Just yeah. Like- and yeah, I think uh, Shafi is a competent actor too. Shout out Arash, who's probably gonna listen to this. And I think you're great.
2: <laughs> no, he we was. Love great. you, man.
0: <laughs> Nitpicks and hot takes. Um, I have a few. I'll just fire off, and then see if you guys have any to add. The wife comes in and almost catches him murdering that woman, and he had rolled her in the carpet, and she doesn't notice there's a body under that rug. Yeah. Like she even notices the rug, and he's like, "What happened?" He's like, "Oh, there's a leak. I just, you know, I'm cleaning up or whatever." And she's like, but why'd you roll up the rug? Do you, if there's a body under a rug. You'll notice it, right? Yeah, mm. I didn't. I didn't buy that.
2: I didn't, I didn't buy, buy that, that at all. No.
0: And I also thought, just as a, like a nitpick, like the daughter finding the apple with the lipstick, I thought was a wasted opportunity because mm-hmm. I'd forgotten what happened. And even the first time, I thought I'd seen them like, oh, she bit the. Li- she's gonna be the lipstick. And even if the wife finds it and doesn't think he's a murderer, at least the wife's gonna find it and think he's having an affair. And I was like, Oh, yes. that's your, but when the daughter finds it and doesn't know what it is, and then he just throws it out. I just thought there could have been more taken out of that moment. Like the mom, the wife finding it could have actually been a very interesting, dramatic moment mm. for the dialogue to be mm. like, I know what you're doing. And he's like, what? Like you can come out and just say, it, and like, you almost feel like she's going to save the seal. Okay. But then she's like, you're having an affair. And you know what I mean? Like that could have been like a very interesting line. That moment. actually
1: summarizes the gist of my, um, my nitpicks with the film is that I feel like there were a lot of opportunities to build tension that were wasted. Mm. And that's one of them. I think that there were so many opportunities throughout the film that were set up to build this ambiguity or to build the tension against different characters. And and it didn't happen. And instead where we had, uh, intensity made in the film was often just overtly thrown in your face through, Mm violence against women that was sometimes too gratuitous i found and uh and yeah that that that's kind of the crux of it for me and i i've already kind of mentioned it but but that's that's it for me i,
2: I do wonder because like in in reality he did murder 16 women in just like a year in like 12 months mm-hmm. and like it became uh, so easy for him so maybe even showing that his wife didn't find the the apple or like showing that there was no no one really suspected anything kind of made him want to do it more because maybe he felt like he was doing the right thing and he wasn't getting caught so god was was on his side mm-hmm. that'd be
1: interesting because then you could get into a whole viewpoint of the film where he starts to kind of doubt his his own faith because like now when the apple is found for example He's like, oh, wait, maybe God doesn't want me to do this, right? Like, there's a whole Mm. version of this where you can see this guy derailing internally Mm. and and kind of questioning his own moral code because he's starting to get caught and because people are questioning whether or not these people should die. No, but we
2: are talking about a society where men do things and they're not questioned for them. Mm -hmm. And they get away with it so easily. Yeah.
0: Stupid men. (laughs) <laughs> the worst
2: even like at, at you know near the end where he takes his hand out and rain, rain he feels yeah. the rain but there's no rain it's like he thinks there is rain because he thinks he was doing this right thing and now god mm. is like now yeah, the yeah, yeah. the drought is over
0: mm. oh that's there you go that's your deeper analysis right there yeah that's mm. that
2: was the, yeah cuz even in the documentary in the interview he does mention that he's like there was no, there was drought, and then I, I killed a few women, and then there was rain. In, in the oh. documentary, he says that.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, do you guys have other stuff for nitpicks and hot takes?
2: Um, one thing I, I do have. So, the first scene we see Sherifi and Rahimi talking in the office, and then he mm-hmm. talks about uh, how he gets his calls and all that. I noticed mm-hmm. the sleeves, continuity.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, I missed that. Yeah, his sleeves
2: change. <laughs> his sleeves change. Um, yeah. It's a big continuity flaw, but like really experienced editors were on this. And people have talked about how this might just be a mistake or intentional. And today I was mm-hmm. thinking about it and I was thinking. In Iranian films, for a man to have his sleeve up or down doesn't really mm-hmm. make a difference continuity wise either for a woman Mm. to have her sleeves up and down the editor has has to be really careful with how they edit Mm. the film
0: right yeah
2: so i just wonder if it was intentional even if it wasn't it's just interesting that's a
1: weird thing to be intentional yeah i think people are i think people are giving them a lot of grace there the thing that i was going to mention when when you said this it kind of reminded me another missed opportunity to build tension is showing scenes where he like receives a phone call from him yeah and then they're like rushing uh, to get the tape recorder or whatever right and they're like listening in and he's like and this is the first time she hears his voice or whatever it is like that you could build so much tension there
0: because there was also like at one point when they finally meet sharifi meets the killer the serial killer at one point he's like ah oh, we it's you it's, it's finally putting a face to the name we've had so many conversations. And at that point, I'm like, oh, yeah, there was a time. Like, I'd almost forgotten because yeah. it's such a thing early on. I'm like, oh, yeah, they were exchanging phone conversations a few times. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of like
3: just being yeah. a little sprinkle
0: of it. And then goes. And I'd forgotten that by the time he mentions it, I was like, "All right." right. And going back to Fincher,
1: he does that a lot in a lot of his movies where he'll he'll have the killer or the bad guy or whatever have a phone call. And it's like chilling because it's all from the one side. And again, I think that the reason that, you can build that tension so well is because you have that ambiguity you're not mm. seeing this guy you don't see where he is so i i think maybe even showing less of the killer throughout the film i think would have definitely benefited the film yeah mm-hmm.
0: i wonder that too myself what aged poorly which could also still go into nitpicks and hot takes we all kind of put it in together in the same group do you have stuff that aged poorly i mean the film just came out a year ago it so just
2: came a, out but 100%. i'm i'm hoping the violence will age poorly and we'll see less of that
3: mm-hmm.
1: Mm. And actually, there's there's been a trend of of movies that just that depict violence against women to such a degree to try to be like provocative and whatever, which I think is is already super dated. It's been done. We don't need to see it. Um, Mm. It's triggering to a lot of people in the audience. Yeah. And I guess we've never seen it in an Iranian movie like this. So you could be like, oh, it's like bringing this genre of films to Iranian cinema. But for me, it's like, yeah, but that's that's like a genre that we don't need.
0: Yeah, I would just say I agree with both of you guys on that. I would just say this is slightly nitpick, but what aged poorly for me slightly is does he have to be crazy? Because there's a very direct and overt implication that mm. he's hearing the dead woman laugh. And then when he, like, when Arazu gets away, he crumbles up into a ball and has a joker laugh to himself. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's right. And yeah. It's I forgot like, about that. And I'm like, this is really hands down being like, this guy is crazy. And my thing of aging poorly is, like, he doesn't even have to be crazy to be doing this stuff. This is just a product yeah. of a lot of the toxicity that exists within Iranian society that's raised under the Islamic regime. Mm-hmm. His son, it clearly, I mean, he hammers home the point I agree with more that his son is now going to take up the reins and be this monster. And it's not, is the son crazy too? Or is he a product of the system that is like Mm -hmm. toxic, the trauma is passed down. Mm -hmm. And so I think by making him crazy, it's a bit of like, not it's an excuse, but he's sort of like justifying a little bit of like, well, this guy's crazy. That's why he's doing this. And I'm like, it's actually more powerful if he isn't crazy and probably more realistic that he isn't crazy. I agree.
2: Yeah, in the film, they actually try to prove that he's crazy. Yeah, exactly.
0: To get him a lighter sentence. Yeah. Yeah. And And I I don't think he has to be I don't think he is.
1: To your point too, Kava about, oh, it's the system that makes these people like this. It's not just the fact that they're crazy. It's, It's this society and this system that is doing this to people. Yeah. Mm. the imam guy literally says that about sex workers earlier on in the film mm-hmm, anyway mm-hmm. which i actually mm-hmm. found that was a little surprising i didn't think that that was going to happen the fact that that yeah. that guy was like oh yeah it's a condition of of our society that these yeah. that people who are mm. poor ha- have to do X, Y, Z. I i was like oh okay this is like that's actually interesting, and I didn't uh, I didn't. But that's it. also just
0: bullshit. That's the words they say in front of for people, sure, too. For sure, for yeah. like not
1: I, I don't know if that's sincere. I'm just yeah. commenting on how I thought. I was surprised to yeah, see that I, in the film.
0: I thought the same thing, too. I thought the same thing. I agree. Yeah. Um, Double feature lineup. What movie do you think this would make a great double feature with?
2: With its own documentary.
0: That's a very <laughs> good point. I really want to yeah. see that now. Yeah, I need to watch it suck. shame or, on me for not doing the proper research.
1: The other one could be um, the other movie that was made in Iran uh, about the same thing. Yes. the one Hero that uh, this allegedly plagiarized. I would yeah. just say
0: I'd go Zodiac. Watch I thought it from the American yeah. worldview and watch it from an Iranian worldview and see if there are similarities. That's my call. Can this be made into a modern Hollywood remake? I think no, because this is as close to a Hollywood remake as an Iranian film has gotten so far. And so this is like the Hollywood remake version of an Iranian movie. I agree. Both of you agree? Agree all around? Yeah, (laughs) agree. I had the exact same thought.
2: Me too.
1: This is basically the Iranian, the Hollywood version of the Iranian one, which we haven't seen. Yes. Yes. That this allegedly plagiarized.
2: Which we should have seen, maybe. (laughs) Yeah, but now we can save it
1: for another episode.
2: Yeah.
0: Final thoughts and grades. Um, this is your last chance to get any final thoughts you have that we haven't discussed, and finish it off with a grade. Kava, you go first.
1: You give your okay.
0: grade first. B minus. I think it's so far the lowest grade. I feel far on. If I'm going to predict, I feel like you give it a less. You're going to it a lower grade, but I feel like this is a fair grade, considering the fact that I think it's a well-made film. It does do something I hadn't seen Iranian cinema do to this point. It is way more interesting to me once he's arrested, because I feel like the thematic stuff comes to the foreground in the most. Um, but I feel the tension of the, the the Fincher-esque stuff, cat and mouse game isn't quite doing it for me. So it's not getting, it's not in the A realm for me. Um, but I feel like if I were to grade this a C plus or a C, it's a little bit too low for the things that this film accomplished. I think it's, um, the acting is great. I think the directing is very good. It's, you know, for the most part, it's like doing the things it needs to do. And I really like the ending, the bone chilling ending of the sun really nails home for me, like what this film is about. So I think a B minus really kind of enca- encapsulates everything I feel about this film. And if I were a strict teacher, I would be grading at that. What do you think, Sada?
2: Just the final comment and thought on that last scene with the sun. Um, I I like that scene. Um, and it's like, Word for word from the documentary, like the the son actually said all that, and he actually reenacted on a on a mat. Um, what he didn't do was he didn't ask his little sister to come and like replaced the mat with his little sister, which I thought was interesting um, in the film, um, and it just reminded me of all the news i've seen of like honor killings happening with like the younger generation Mm -hmm. in iran Mm um it's something that's still happening um so i thought it was yeah having that scene with the with the little girl and her brother sort of yeah um reenacting the the what their father did was was interesting Mm -hmm. and important i would give it i'm nicer than you so i'll give it a b (laughs) (laughs)
0: all right okay that's fair it's pretty much the same We're very close to each other it's not it's i feel like we're in the same ballpark there yeah um i uh my final note that i
1: had jotted down was i liked the film had a denouement i Mm. it it bothers me to no end when iranian movies just kind of end Mm. you know this this had a thing where we like see her on the bus and then she pulls up this scene and watches this scene of this of the boys interview mm-hmm. i think that that offers an opportunity for the audience to reflect on what they would just watched and i really mm-hmm. like when movies do that when they give you a moment mm-hmm. to reflect on mm-hmm. what you just watched even if it like mm-hmm. ends on him basically alluding to the fact that he's going to take up the, the mantle of his father and it like ends right even if it just ends there to me it's still like that scene in and of itself is a denouement of the of the rest of the movie Do mm-hmm. you know what i mean because at this point we've already wrapped up the movie they said their goodbyes the guy's dead and now we get this like bonus scene that kind of encapsulates the themes of the rest of the movie um overall Kaveh, you are correct i am a little more critical of your film or sorry i am a little more critical my of- film <laughs> I'm, i am a little more critical of this film uh, yeah. I give it a C plus.
0: Wow, I'm so good at predicting you now. That's what I thought you would have given it. I thought <laughs> exactly would, what I thought you would. I mean. thought you were going to give it a B minus. Ah, we're getting good at this. We've done this for too long.
1: I know. So then, our average score for this is a B minus. B minus. Yeah, it is. That's
0: right. Should I wrap it up? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Holy Spider is the first modern Iranian film noir. It's an unsettling, impactful analysis on how misogyny and gender-based violence outlasts the actions of one man due to environments and attitudes that allow it to persevere. It's a film that might not highlight any larger moral message other than to lift the veil on one corrupt man lifted up and protected by an even more corrupt system. A film that towards its end leaves no wonder as to why Abbasi decided to put the holy in front of Spider in the title. Sadaf, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Faran, thank you so much for being present
1: Thank you for being present
0: Everybody, listeners, thank you for tuning in And to the rest of you dididar. Okay, that was our episode on Holy Spider But don't go yet We're wrapping up today's episode with a short interview With writer, editor, and director Arash Ashtiani Though acting wasn't formally on his resume before Holy Spider, a chance encounter and a propensity to portray the character Abasi was looking for led to Arash landing the role of Sharifi, the editor of local newspaper who assists Arzu Rahimi on her quest to track down the infamous Spider Killer. Arash is a fantastic director, and I am proud to say that I met him back in film school. His short film, Only Sound Remains, was nominated for a BAFTA. His most recent work, The Tunnel, is a Vimeo staff pick. And he was the editor of a documentary titled My Father, currently premiering at IDFA, the International Documentary Film Festival in Amsterdam. Farhan and I had a chance to chat with Arash to get a little inside look of what it was like to work on one of Iran's most controversial films. Why don't we just start at the beginning? Arash, why don't you tell me how you first got involved in the process of Holy Spider and how the story sort of unfolded
4: for you? Hi, guys. Thanks for inviting me to your podcast, first of all few years before shooting, it was like a year before Corona, I met Zar, and she was the casting director of Holy Spider. And uh, we met in London, not related to any film or anything. And at the end of our meeting, she said, I'm casting for this film for Ali Abbasi, which I had seen uh, Border and I had loved it. I didn't know even if he's like Iranian, Iranian or half-half or if he speaks Farsi or not. So. I got really interested and the first thought that came to my mind was I was curious to see how other directors do audition, you know. Mm -hmm. I recorded a couple of uh, videotapes, self-tape basically, I sent it to her, she directed me, she gave me more clues and then I received a call to go to Berlin and do audition in front of Ali basically. Uh, I went there and I felt I messed it up really badly because I was like shaking and very. <laughs> it was my first time like giving an audition, you know.
0: And yes. you nailed it.
4: Your first audition ever and you just did a wonderful job. You got the part. Yes, t- thankfully. I think because they, they wanted to shoot it also in Iran, you know. Mm-hmm. After that round of audition, I think they told me they are going to find actors and see how they can shoot it in Iran. Mm-hmm. So I didn't hear from them for a year, and then there was COVID, and I thought, okay, they have most probably cast someone uh, else. And But then uh, I received the phone call from Zar again, Zar Amir mm-hmm. She said, you are still one of the option. How's your timing? And she gave me like some explanation that where are they shooting, when they want to shoot it. and
1: How did you know Zar? How did you meet Zar?
4: I edited a three episode, Uh, documentary for bbc persia about 40 best films after revolution Mm. and uh, zar was presenting it Mm -hmm. at the end of that night she told me that they are casting they are looking for actors so
1: did she know that you would be interested in in acting or was she just telling you this and then you thought Hey, maybe I'll try it. This is what
4: I read from articles on how Ali works. Apparently, he does a very extensive search for actors. Like, he mm-hmm. spends long time and he tries so many people for the role. Mm. But because Zara definitely had read the script, they had things that they were looking for in people for different parts. Mm -hmm. I think just our basic interaction, she felt that I might be suitable for that role. Oh, cool. That's really cool.
0: I just think it's funny because you... A lot of actors spend so many years of their lives grinding and getting involved and like auditioning and playing in commercials and all this stuff. And it's like your very first audition, you get to play one of the one of the lead roles in a film that gets into con. con you're like just walking the streets of the con film festival and like you're the lead in a film, and it's just I like it's just funny how life works and speaks to your sheer talent because you're a multi talented director, artist, actor, editor.
1: So good for you. Half of the actors listening to the podcast right now are like gripping their steering wheel, like clenching their teeth, And the other half are like (laughs)
0: cheering you on. Holy Spider is obviously based on real subject matter and a, a very serious crime that took place and a crime that shook the Iranian population. Can you talk a little bit about the sensitivity around that and working on a film? Were there discussions on set about how sensitive this was and was there awareness around how the reaction would be? And when you're working on the characters, was there discussions around making sure you're portraying this in a specific light?
4: Since I read the script, I felt it's something special or unique in terms of bypassing sensors, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, they want to approach it. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was obvious from reading the script. On the set, we didn't specifically talk about how how sensitive it is, really. You know, mm-hmm. we had that feeling that because I want to say, as an uh, audience of Iranian cinema, I, I was born after revolution, and as audience of Iranian cinema, I never questioned the fact that like women wear hijabs in shower or when they want to sleep you know yeah my reality has shifted to another reality you know and when i was on the set i was feeling it but when i saw the film i found the depth of it you know the depth of sensor basically yeah yeah because you know for example kiarostami had said he never shot a woman in an interior, in none of his film. Because he found it very unrealistic to huh. to see your mom and your uh. sister inside the house without whale or sleeping without whale. And then in film and especially especially yeah. Iranian cinema I think one of the characteristics of it is like social realism cinema, mm. the good films of Iran. And yeah. then you see this obvious, yeah. unrealistic things and you don't question it. So when we were working, it was like an eye-opening moment, you know, for me. I said, wow, how, how is that? even possible for (laughs) me, that I never think about the depth of it and how you can live in a parallel reality, basically.
0: I always find it fascinating when directors find creative ways around that, like in a separate Farhadi's A Separation, it's not that she's wearing a hijab for the movie, she's got a head injury. Or not separation, sorry, it's salesman. Yeah. Salesman. She's got a head injury, so she's got her head bandaged up, which is covering all her hair. So all of a sudden, you're skirting around that absurdity because, of course, she would still have her head bandaged inside the house. You know, like little clever things like that when directors find ways to hide the hair, it's really interesting.
4: Exactly, like Nasser Tarvoy in Bi Bihat. He managed to write the script somehow that the mm-hmm. character of woman in the film either all the time is about to leave the house or he she has just entered the house so they justify the hijab yeah, yeah. the scenes but <laughs> yeah. even the language they use you know like i remember when we were watching a uh, hamun or in one of iranian film there was like one swear words i felt wow how close it is to how we speak you know because other films have this very clean, pasteurized language that you never find in real life, you know? Mm-hmm. And also that was when I, went reading, when I was reading the script, I felt even I became a bit shy myself reading it. I said, wow, it's, it's interesting. You know, people talk the way I know they talk, they speak, you know? Mm-hmm. They behave yeah. the way uh, human behave. And- so
0: you brought up the thing of censorship, and you also had mentioned earlier that there was a thought about filming this in Iran. So when did the change of plan come about with production to no longer shoot this in Iran and shoot it in Jordan, I believe? Was it in Jordan? Yes, it was in Jordan. And also, did Ali ever talk about how he was thinking about getting around shooting? Like, if he was going to shoot that script in Iran, I'm sure it wouldn't have passed censors anyways. So what were those discussions like?
4: I think Ali didn't want to give a fake script to the authority, you Mm -hmm. know, to get the permission to shoot something. And then come out of Iran and shoot the rest of the scene, you know. Mm -hmm. I think he wanted to modify his script and and shoot it, whatever he wants to shoot inside Iran. Mm -hmm. But I think the process of getting permission took them really, really long time, you know. And there was lots of obstacles that at the end they thought, okay, they're going to shoot it somewhere else. First they aimed for Turkey. There was problem there. And eventually they decided to shoot in, in Jordan. Because it has this dryness of, you know, northeast of Iran, Khorasan, Mashhad. Mm -hmm. It has that, that had that. And it's early 2000, I think, the story happens. So the face of the city and the location they had found, you know, had that to it, basically, you know. Mm -hmm.
0: Let me ask you a little bit about Sharifi, the character you played. That specific character wasn't based on anyone real, was it? I do not think so. No. I don't think so. I think it's an amalgamation of characters. So what was that experience like for you, getting inside the head of his character? What was that experience like as a director who previously is used to working behind the lens, now being an actor in front of the lens?
4: The script itself actually was a very good guide into the world of Sharifi for me. When I read the script, I could find parts that I could relate with that character. And overall, I could understand his behavior, his reaction to events and incidents. But during the tablery during the rehearsal time that i had with ali he helped me to understand the character's arc better or sharifi's turning point basically sharifi is a local journalist who is in the middle of this case but it's, it's part of his job it has become his job he understands the dynamic of power within the city he's under pressure by authority what part Uh, and what information he can publish or not. But then when Mrs. Rahimi comes to the city, and especially, Ali pointed that out, that especially after the killer is arrested and Sharifi uh, goes with Mrs. Rahimi to interview and visit the victim's family, bit by bit he becomes more engaged with it and also in another way he understands his situation better in that world. Also, there were a couple of more things that helped me during preparation. I spoke with a couple of journalists that actually were working back in Iran on that time. They told me about the details of their job. They told me about what local journalists have access to. They know people, uh, they have shortcuts to information and how they work with their colleagues from the capital, from Tehran. Also, one of my challenges basically was learning Mashadi accent. That was very difficult for me and very stressful, but it helped me also to understand the character i had a couple of months accent coach uh, actually she is in the film she's the mother of Said azimi the killer and she comes to the prison to say goodbye to her son she is in that scene then later during the shoot put on that shirt trousers the ring that also helped me a lot uh, throughout the filming.
1: How has that now impacted the way that you direct other actors? Like your experience working as an actor, working with Ali. Like, I'm guessing that the way that you see the actor's world has probably shifted a little bit, right? Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah,
4: actually, that's one of the main thing that I take from this film. You know, it changed the way I'm looking at directing actors. Mm. And I guess lots of the actors that I work with, I misdirected them. What I understood is a director do whatever he or she can on the set, on the moment, you know, to get uh, to get what he wants, basically. Ali, I think he, he trusted his actors and he was directing me through other actors that was in front of me. Mm. Like, for example, he was sending in Zar one take to be... Because I did the same to other actors that I was playing with, so I, I understood it. That was entering the scene in a very supportive way of Sharifi. So I react to what I was receiving. And then the next take, I expected the same because I thought, okay, people are looking for this exact feeling, exact mm-hmm. moment. But the next take, Khan Rahimi was coming very intimidating, you know, putting pressure on me. So on the moment my reaction was very fresh, different from previous take <laughs> and spontaneous. So when he was giving notes to Zara, was he giving them to her privately?
1: So then yes, you didn't yes, know that, yes, that yes. okay, okay. So he was never just, like, yelling out the, the note to everybody in the So room.
4: every time, no, very discreet. Always there was something to discover on the moment of, you know, the dialogue was exchanged. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. for me, it was like playground. I mean, because of this hiding and giving one information to me or to other actors, it was always surprise. Always, it was always fresh every take that we because you
1: don't know how how they're gonna do
4: it each time exactly exactly that's cool that's cool
0: it also seems a lot like the the standard like neo-realism approach cinema verite approach that you know we in our kyrostami for where's the friend's house in the Kiristami episode we talked about how to get the little boy to cry in the opening scene he off camera, ripped a Polaroid picture of him he had to actually inflict the real emotion of him, but then has the teacher dub the lines later on saying, How many times did I tell you to bring in your homework? So it just seems like uh, what Ali Abbas is doing is sort of a- a- another, you know, a- a- an a- evolution of that tactic. It's like he's using what old school Iranian tactics would do of neorealism to. Inflict real emotion out of you by almost catching you off guard by not doing, not asking for the same thing on different takes. And it, it worked because I think you do a wonderful job playing the character. Your performance is really stunning. And the fact that you previous to this had close to no experience acting says a lot about you and also a lot about Ali Abbasi's approach to making the film because you, you guys, it's just an incredible movie and you do a wonderful job. I
4: think also this technique works when there are two actors or more than two people in the scene you know yeah i'm sure it, it was different from how he worked with mehdi bajasani how he worked with zara amir because they all had seen alone you know mm-hmm. but with me because i always had someone to play with you know i was always reacting to someone or something it worked perfectly on 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 those scenes. do
1: you do you think that there's ever a line in terms of when it's appropriate when it's inappropriate like for example that scene in in uh where's the friend's house when he rips the boy's photo and he, to make him cry like i was telling kava i was like i think that's too much like i think you've crossed the line there i think that this is like that's not appropriate you don't you shouldn't do that you shouldn't have to do that i think if that's what you have to do to get somebody to cry yeah i think you're being lazy <laughs> but Um, I think the way that you described it, I don't think that there's a harm in that the way that you're describing it. it, Like you said, it feels more like a playground, like an actor's playground, like you get to discover new things. Do you think that there is a line or do you think that it's like hey, whatever, if you need to, like, traumatize a child to make them cry, then do it's it. A like, what do you think? It's a big debate.
4: It's been always big debates, especially with non-professional actors that they have less say. I mean, they don't have lawyers and, right, right. like, big contracts to defend <laughs> yeah, yeah. them, you know. It's it's been in yeah. Iranian cinema. It's always been a topic. Like, what's the line? You know. Yeah. I don't find it in also in it's very harmful. I mean, because it wasn't traumatizing the kid. But I think as much as you don't really harm them, you can do these things to 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 get the best moment out of them. Right.
0: Okay. Did Ali Abbasi rip up a photo of you <laughs> in front of you to get you to start in that scene with uh, when you're in that scene with Mehdi in the uh, in the prison cell? Did he take a photo of you to just make you traumatized for that scene, How so that you're looking at the serial told killer you,
4: two times? <laughs> no, no
1: yeah. he didn't, uh, um, he's burning his hard drives off camera.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's burning your My hard drives. Yeah, that would get oh, you yeah. to cry.
4: Yeah, he's
0: <laughs> your laptop. Why don't you talk a little bit about uh, your experience with working with in scenes? Since you had a lot of scenes with her. First
4: of all, it was I don't know good point or bad point i didn't have that much question about the background of sharifi you know i was i told you it was more instinctive approach and relationship Mm -hmm. to the character Mm -hmm. but i was watching zar like digging into character every day you know every day she had lots of questions the set and it was very interesting she was like reading a journalist book you know about other serial killers and how they approach it that was something that was very interesting for me the the second thing that whatever they were thrown at them they could use it bring it into their acting you know Mm -hmm. for me a slight change would have disoriented (laughs) me oh what happened should we say this or shouldn't we say what is this guy passing by all of a sudden (laughs) now like yeah he's like ali said walk here to there but that's blocked there so part of it was ali putting like surprise things on our way but it was a lesson for me hard bizarre and few scenes that i watch from Mehdi, whatever comes from their way whatever is obstacle you know they take it and bring it into the character and the moment that they are playing They're able
1: to incorporate incorporated. it, incorporated
4: mm-hmm. exactly, exactly mm-hmm. those two things and the that's really cool and digging into character, to background, what has happened to mm-hmm. her, you know, her motivations, all of if for every scene, uh, those two was uh, those two were the most important thing. I think I learned from uh, mm-hmm. and the fact that they were like most of the actors. I mean had radio background theater background zar was a tv star back in iran and she had uh, i don't know i think some films before Mm -hmm. joining holy spider but they never they never Mm -hmm. intimidated me or they never gave me that feeling that you know it's my first time they at least the people who work with me, they created very safe environment, you know, for me to be there, you know, and go on with them in hope of, you know, creating something.
0: So what's next for you then? As are you gonna continue this path of an actor, and maybe make a sequel to Holy Spider, <laughs> Holy Spider Two, or uh, do you, are you gonna continue working? At, like I know you're working. You're currently in development on your uh, first feature. What, what's the what's next? What's the next chapter for Arash? I'm
4: gonna uh, focus on making my first feature. Uh, that's for sure. But mm. I really enjoyed. I really enjoyed the experience that I had. I won't initiate it, but I will continue. I, I'm, I'm open to continue. You know, to to try. Mm. I'm gonna focus on my first feature film and to use the things that I learned from Holy Spider in terms of directing uh, point of view and director, directing actors. Very
0: cool. That's awesome. You should be very proud of your work in Holy Spider. You're a very good actor. Thank you. As a director, you um, Arash Ashtiani has films that you can see online. The Tunnel was recently a Vimeo staff picks, right? Yes. The short The Tunnel, which you are now adapting into a feature. Exactly. Um. Only sound remains, which was the short that you worked at the London Film School, was a BAFTA nominated short. Yes, yes, exactly. Um, can that be seen online, or is that? Is uh, that I think it's.
4: That, I think it's on YouTube. Uh, it's on YouTube. Yes,
0: and uh, I'm very much looking forward to seeing the the development of the tunnel because I think you're a prolific director. Very good writer and surprisingly a great actor too, which you just keep impressing me with every turn.
4: <laughs> so thank you. Thanks and uh, thank you for sharing your talent. You, you to all of us. Guys, uh, same. Uh, I know cover. I know cover. I've worked with him. He has <laughs> rewrite my script. I always whatever I write, I send it to him and <laughs> and get feedbacks. Very 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 important and useful feedback. So. And I'm really happy to meet you, Farhan.
1: Oh, I'm happy to meet you, too. It's my pleasure. Thank you, Arash.
0: Thank you, Farhan.
4: This has been Cinema Rex Podcast. We'll see you next week. Good morning, Music for
0: Cinema Rex was written and performed by Sohail Satinejad.